I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to merge everything now to the one and how to work that out. So, all right. So, works for me, man. All right. Perfect. So, we are recording. You can start whenever you want. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, uh, a podcast where me, Joe Fremming, and my buddy, Paul Muad'Dib, we choose an album every week, uh, any album we want, much like the Joe Down and Cast That Movie from which we come. And we review it. Uh, how you doing, Paul? Mm. Mm. You know, um, feeling good. Not as good as GameStop, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> good on them. Good on them. <laughs> uh, by the way, you could probably tell when we recorded this by the time it comes up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so this week I've picked uh, a rather uh, kind of a unconventional album. It's a it's an album by a duo of uh, a hip hop indie producer and uh, indie rocker from Super Furry Animals, uh, Boom Bip and Gruff Rice, uh, called Neon Neon. And the album we are reviewing is called Stainless Style, a concept album about John DeLorean. <laughs> now, Paul, mm-hmm. before we dig into it, because, like, well, one, John DeLorean has a fascinating, uh, fascinating tale. Oh, yes, but he before does. Before we start digging in, uh, what are your, some of your first observations of uh, Neon Neon? Okay, so... I, I had no business liking this as much as I did. <laughs> um, this blew me away. Uh, this album blew me away. Um, I'm so glad you recommended it. Um, I have a lot to say about when we get into it, but let me just say that I like this probably more than you expected me to. Here's the thing. <clears throat> so I'll kind of get... Uh, so what happened is uh, I, this album blew me away when it came out, and I had no idea what it was. I was, uh, I believe I had just started working at the Electric Fetus. I knew of Boom Bip from his hip-hop stuff, like stuff I'd uh, listened to, more of the indie hip-hop stuff, like with the Anticon guys. Mm-hmm. And I really had no idea about Super Furry Animals. My buddy at the Fetus, he's like, have you listened to the Neon Neon album? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> he put he get, hands me the promo. He's like, just put these on the headphones. And I start listening to it. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what is this? Mm-hmm. It, it's 1980s cocaine-fueled synth pop that feels like it would be perfect soundtrack to Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Okay, I, you're going to say that. I, as soon as I played this, the first track especially reminded me of when you start a movie and it was the music that showed off the weird production company, like if it was Canon or like, if it was whatever, like this is it rolled in the one. Like I immediately went back and started just having flashbacks of all like watching a movie and seeing all the different uh, production companies that were in place at the time. Um, and the music that went along with it. I'm like, this just fits right in. Yeah, it's there's a couple weird things about this album. One, it was like a side project from two guys who kind of had careers like in music, but nothing that sounds like this. Two is like they got together, 
not intending to make a, what Gruff <laughs> Rice re- calls like a nineteen mid nineteen eighties synth pop <laughs> album. Mm-hmm. They just kind of like, and then three, it's a concept album based on the life of John DeLorean. Now, if you don't know who John DeLorean is, <laughs> oh boy, he is an interesting guy. He uh, he was a gen one of the youngest upstarts uh, in General Motors. Founder of the DeLorean Motor Company, which after it, it had uh, gone out, gone broke, gone out of business into liquidation, their car, which was not really well regarded, becomes an iconic pop culture thing with the Back to the Future movies. Yes. Do we before, do I know Back to the Future comes out? John DeLorean it gets uh, gets caught up in <laughs> In a billion dollar cocaine ring, in which he's acquitted. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, it it it's a wild story. Like he is uh, entrapment. He got out of entrapment on a cocaine. Correct. Thing. Correct. He was uh, a scheme to sell two hundred twenty pounds of cocaine, estimated at twenty four million dollars. Yes. Yes. So. Um, I, I know a little bit about John DeLorean cause I went down this really crazy rabbit hole with that. So I could kind of explain what was going on there. If you want me to get more detail on that, otherwise we could skip it. Well, I think we, people, if they want it, it the information is readily available. Yeah. This is just kind of a backdrop because it's an unconventional topic to make a concept album out of. And there's like some very specific references to his life. Yes. On these songs, uh, We'll get into it, but like one is Michael Douglas because uh, <laughs> John DeLorean had a friendship with Michael Douglas. Uh, Raquel, mm-hmm. yep, about his alleged affair with Raquel Welsh. Welsh. Yep, yep. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There's there's this is an album that was yes, there was definite nods there. I'm like, I get what you're getting at. Now, <clears throat> the one thing I, I will say that uh, well, I'll get to that when I when I get to my pluses and negatives. So. Keep going, Joe. All right. So so this comes out in 2008. Uh, like I said, I'm floored by it. Uh, and it this just like randomly came up while I was trying to figure out albums for us to discuss. And I was I had not listened to this in quite a while. So I kind of wanted to revisit it for this. And so here we are. So Paul, let's uh <laughs> I dropped the ball on you with this last week. What did what were your first thoughts when I said concept album about John DeLorean by indie? <laughs> so honestly, I was thinking, okay, we're getting into some prog rock here. <laughs> well, this that, sounds like Pink Floyd's '80s prog. Yeah, I mean, this, done well. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't expect synth pop. Let me put it that way. I was expecting something along the lines of because I looked at the year it came out, and like I said, I got the bonus. You know, I listened to the bonus version. I was thinking along the lines of like Dream Theater is really what came to my mind. Like that, I thought that's what I was walking into. Immediately, the first song, I was like, "Whoa, this went in a completely different direction than I thought." <laughs> yeah. So let's let's <clears throat> let's start off with what is working for this album, uh, and then we'll do top tracks and move on yeah what's for me what works uh, well i'll let you go first since you're the you're i'm introducing this album to you (laughs) i just dropped this on you yeah because you've listened to this for years so for me okay 
best way I can describe this album is if you watch Revenge of the Nerds at the end when they do the song, you know, the important song towards the, at the climax of the movie, really. It's like if they went on and made an album. <laughs> that's, that's, this is like this is like Lamar and uh, God, what the hell are their names in uh, all their names? Booger and all, the whole team went, uh, went in, you know, Robert Carradine and Anthony went, all went on to do um, make actual album. Um, there is something completely magical about this album. I mean, it sounds like they took from Oingo Boingo. It sounds like they took from Peter Gabriel. I mean, I can even hear some churches in there for modern music. Like, this is where churches got some of their sound for sure. Like, there is a lot that is going on here, and it's done, it is produced well. Yeah, and that kind of goes to my pros is uh, it's it, the, the way it, it, it kind of seamlessly all works. It, it feels kind of proggy, but not really. It feels like, like Oingo Boingo and Robert Palmer made a concept album. Yes. 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 That's thank you. I couldn't, I could not put my name on. I'm like, I've heard that. Who does this? It's Robert Palmer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like the, the vocal. So, like the production, I just love it. Just it, because it has like that 80s vibe. Like you, mm-hmm. it's just unmistakable. But it also has like these like modern like hip hop beats layered yes. into it. The, the keyboard work, like the synthesizers and the drumming, like it's an album. Like if it came out in the eighties, I think I probably would have hated. <laughs> Just yeah, if I was, you know. Uh, but it's like it's more of an homage to that, and it works. Are you familiar with the Teen Titans? Yes. Okay. Or uh, so. Or Teen Titans Go. Yep. Yep. There, okay, so there's that song um, that they did. It's called The Night Begins to Shine by B.E.R. Yeah, it nailed. Like, that's an homage to the 80s, but, like, done as a joke. This is done lovingly, I think. Yeah, it's, it, you know, there's another thing, too. Like, this could have gone full on parody. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, and it's like they're, you know, there are, like, some jokey elements to it. Uh, sweatshop would probably be the... Sweatshop sticks out the most, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, there's all. It just seems like you know they obviously put a lot of effort into it, and like they researched John Delorean pretty pretty good to like be able to reference like elements of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just yeah this was this was fantastic. Um, so all right, go on, Joe. What, yeah. what about your thoughts? So yeah, so the production of all around, I love it, and then. Again, it's it, it was such a weird album because again, this was like a side album that be kind of became bigger than what the these two were doing before. Like, it was, at least in the circles I know, like Neon Neon's more well known than what these guys did outside of Neon Neon. And uh, yeah, so, oh, it's sorry. another interesting thing. I was just gonna say, I the only reason why I knew of Super Furry Animals was because I, as you know, I've referenced this on, on, on several of the podcasts, DJed for KBSC and listened to KBSC. That's the only reason, which was, I, I should say, uh, for our audience, that was the call station. Um, and that was the only place I heard them ever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, because that's where you're only going to really hear uh, indie bands outside of like record stores. 
mm-hmm. and people's houses is, you know, local uh, college stations. And I, you know, I've, I had heard probably a track or two from them. So I was more familiar with boom bit just because again, I was more in, in tune with like the indie hip hop of the early two thousands. So mm-hmm. in 2008, so this comes along and I'm just like, what in the world? Like it just, it just, it's, it just like, drops and it's just like this should be more popular than it is <laughs> like and the only another time i felt like that is when uh an album by, called banks and steels and it's like the lead singer of interpol with uh a member of the wu-tang clan oh shit all right they had like a uh indie rock hip-hop hybrid album and it's fantastic and then like i started listening it's like why are not more people talking about wow yeah yeah no i i didn't know about either of those two things this band or that one yeah so let's talk about uh the tracks that work paul i'll let you go first like highlight for you so uh honestly i was listening to this thing all the way through the and again i'm listening to the bonus version so let me pull that up here real quick because there are like remixes and things like that excuse me there's one unreleased track Yes. Mr. Right. Yes. So in listening to all this, Neon Theme hooked me right away. Like the, the original one hooked me. Really, honestly, the ones I didn't like were Luxury Pool and Michael Douglas. Yes. Those, and, those are the two I actually I don't like either. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, this album is amazing front to back. Yeah. It's just, it just feels like those two songs slow it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 they really do. And I mean, I'm listening, you know, now they give me I dream cars. You know, I heard the, you know, in the way that order is done, I got the, the remix of it first before the original. Same thing with I Lust You. Um, I got the remix instead of the original first. But my God, those two songs are amazing. I, I after Luxury Pool, and I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, now this is going to be where the album bottoms out, you know? And then you got Stay in the Style, and I was like, okay, it's coming back up. Then Michael Douglas, and I was like, eh. And then it ends up with Raquel, at least on my version. Uh, I was like, wow, wow, that's uh, amazingly strong. So like, on the actual album, the last three tracks are Michael Douglas, Luxury Pool, and then Stainless Style. Okay. So, uh, so ideally, like if I, this to make this album like a solid near perfect, if you cut out Douglas and Luxury Pool – and just have Belfast going to stainless style. Mm-hmm. Damn near perfect album. <laughs> damn, I would say it. Damn near perfect album. Like, yeah, like I would give it. A, I mean, I'd give it a nine point five without those two songs in there. Totally. And even with those songs in there, I'm giving it. I'd give it a nine. Yeah. No, it's it's a solid album. Uh, so I'm going to talk about. Uh, so the tracks that I really like. Mm-hmm. Are really like top heavy on the album. It's because uh, track number two is Dream Cars. Yep. Goes into I told her on Alderan into Black Hell into Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like bam, bam, bam of like uh, awesome. But like Dream Cars, I think is just such a oh, it's just like one of those. Uh, it just feels like it like a Robert like Robert Palmer like lost hit like yeah. It does. It really, really does. And again, like I was trying to think of, I'm like, man, there is, there is Robert. I mean, you know, I couldn't think of the name, but there was Robert Palmer there. Um, there was, um, there some was some Huey Lewis in the news. Kind there of was some stuff. Huey Lewis. Um, there was, 
Peter Gabriel with stainless style in my mind. Um, that's that was like a like a like a like a Gabriel kind of filler song or something. Yeah. Um, and it also feels like a lot of like the there's even the cheese of the post Gabriel Genesis in here. Too, yes, which yes. Like I'm not a huge fan of, but like it works here for me. It does. And again, though, I also was hearing even modern music. Like I said, I could hear the churches in there. And who I really, really like. I know I shouldn't, but I do. They're they're, they're really, really catchy, and I love the double hooks that they do. Um, and so there was some, like, like there are things in here that I can hear that I, I don't want to say was even taken from them because they took it from the 80s. But I think there was, this, like, there's a lot of people in here, like Harmar and, yeah. you know, like a lot of people involved in this. So I'm thinking, like, much like Paul's Boutique, this was, like, an album for musicians. Well, I'd also say uh, Melissa... Oh, fuck, I'm going to butcher her uh, name. Off, off to more? Off to more. That was also, like, a musician's-type album, too. Mm-hmm. She yes. had, like... like Yeah, this kind of, like... It, I feel like it kind of blends both of that... The other two albums we've discussed... In regards of like you know music for people who enjoy more like deep dives into music and mm-hmm. styles and genres and kind of dissecting dissecting things a bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, this... And then there's like even the pop culture like weird rep. Like I told her on Alderaan, which yeah. we all know Alderaan is uh, <laughs> Princess Leia's doomed planet from a new hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's an odd like. I kind of, you know, I, I will be honest. The one thing that was lost on me, getting into a little bit of the negatives now, um, was the fact that in a concept album, I'm all about, I like to know the lyrics, and it was very difficult to catch the lyrics in a lot of what was going on here yeah, uh, with the production. But it, I, it didn't matter because <laughs> it just sounded so good. It's like a Radiohead album. I don't need to know what Tom York saying because I just am going to enjoy Tom York saying it. Yeah. Um, and some so, of the lyrics are pretty just like uh, I'll go to back to uh, trick or treat. She got me dreaming like a Michigan boy in Hollywood. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know that's you know that kind of that could just be that could sum up John Delorean's life right there. Right, and I did love the sweatshop song because that totally clicked. Like <laughs> knowing knowing who John Delorean is, like and knowing what how he got some of his stuff done. I'm like. Yeah, that's a shot, John DeLorean, right there. It was sweatshop. Okay, I, I'll, let's talk about sweatshop a bit because this all—that's kind of like there's other elements here because it's like when this album came out, you know, rappers were starting to like you know their own clothing line, mm-hmm. and some of them were found out to be uh, sweatshop work. <laughs> yes, so they're boasting it. So I think that's also like a more a critique on that element of popular music too there is but what but what happened i why i think it's more about delorean getting into delorean a little bit was because you know a lot of people don't know um he moved the plant to ireland uh because uh he got paid um by the northern ireland uh, development agency part of the government to produce there which produced which employed over two thousand workers at its peak production um, but they weren't getting paid dick for doing it. So 
<laughs> and it was a major loss to um, Ireland. And and eventually, um, it was seized. And and, uh, and I think it was 1983. Um, it was it was liquidated and seized in order to make back some of the money because it was just it was basically a sweatshop. Like he had this idea he was going to build this amazing, awesome car, and he sold all of his scruples away and was making it on the fucking cheap. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's funny like how like and this guy a little off topic, but we we have been known to do that. Yes. Podcast. Uh, a lot of people like we have like these fond memories of the DeLorean, I think, because it's in what I consider the perfect movie trilogy of Back to the Future. And I'll fight anybody who wants to question me on that. But those movies are those three movies are goddamn perfect. Mm-hmm. But it also that rosy tint is forget like the DeLorean was a piece of shit. Yes. So. <laughs> I, I will go a little bit on a tangent here because what it was was John DeLorean. We talked, you, you brought it up a little bit. He was uh, working for, was it, it was for GM. Yep, General and, Motors. Michigan and, boy. Yeah, Michigan boy. <laughs> and um, he asked to be put in the Pontiac division. And he is responsible for the resurgence of the muscle car and like the Pontiac and all these things and building that up. I mean, to give you an idea, um, he was, um, he was one of the most highly paid people, but he was really, really fucking eccentric. And, um, he, he, he then went over GM, moved him to the Chevy and he helped make the Chevy what it was. And then he realized, I just got to do my own thing and because he was trying to get this DeLorean done, the stainless steel car that was supposed to be like the his whole plan was to make like this super safe, super American car and <clears throat> and stop being um, wasteful and things of that nature. And but when he wanted to do this, his luck started to kind of run out or that magic touch he had. Ran out and nobody would invest in. Basically, when he left GM, they cut everyone off from him. Like they made sure that no one was going to work work with him because he was going against the big guy, and that made him then go to Ireland for whatever because they were going to pay him to do it. And yeah, I mean, people don't know this, but there was an ad for a twenty four carat twenty four Colt uh, carat gold plated DeLorean at one point. <laughs> yeah yeah sorry i had to get into that tangent a little bit sorry. no it's like it, i think and what i like so kind of like the brings he's an eccentric guy who fell in like weird things and it just feels fitting that an album that sounds like this is about him <laughs> yeah like, like this if you're gonna make an album i mean it's about john delorean this is the album that you make about John DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like we have people have to remember, like by the time Back to the Future comes out, there's no more DeLoreans being made. No. It's liquidated. It's mm-hmm. done. <laughs> yeah, it was done. Like I said, I think it was done in 83. And Back to the Future uh, well, it came out 85, 86. Yeah. 
Yeah, 85. Uh, 85 was Back to the Future. Yeah. So they kind of knew that the DeLorean was this, you know, I th- that was part of the joke was the DeLorean. You know, we didn't know that as kids. We just thought, oh, my God, that's a super cool car. But our parents were laughing when they saw it. Yeah. <laughs> the doors open upward. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah like, that, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> right? And again, I'm in the same boat with you. Because um, I, I I was watching, you know, I was the youngest of three. And so, you know, my, my oldest sister was 9, 10, watching Back to the Future. You know, so I'm 4, 5, watching Back to the Future. And that's just the coolest fucking car I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And why does it, Mom, why, Mom and Dad, why did you have a fucking DeLorean? Because they don't make it because they suck. You're yeah. wrong, Mom and Dad. That car is awesome. Yeah, it, you know, it, you know, Hollywood made it look a lot cooler than it actually was. It, mm-hmm. it, it's The reviews when it came out were not very positive. <laughs> no, and, and again, though, it, it came down to... Um, it came down to that he couldn't get anyone to help on it. So he essentially was running this sweatshop to make it as cheap as possible, to pay the workers as cheap as possible, because he was cut off from everything. And rather than holding off and doing it right, he just went fucking balls deep in and and <laughs> he just goes off the rails from there. Like, that's not the start, people. That's when the rails start to come off. Yeah. Because shortly thereafter, you know, he gets wrangled into, uh, you know, entrapment with a a (laughs) multi-million dollar cocaine distribution. Yes. Yes. By the time it was liquidated, actually, I think it was uh, shortly, a couple months after the liquidation, um, was when he got nailed for um, trafficking coke. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, this... To take this guy's, because like the window of uh, his his like ultimate insane years is not very long. It's, no, it's it, late seventies, nineteen eighty probably until eighty four, eighty five. Well, and then he just kind of like after he's acquitted, and with the exception of Back to the Future, he's pretty much, uh, you know, he doesn't really do much after that. He he didn't uh, at least publicly. Um, there was a lot going on behind the scenes, or you know, there was a lot of marriage and divorces going on behind the scenes. Um, born again, <laughs> yep, and uh, you know, which they all do. They all become born again. You know, uh, he filed a patent in 1994 uh, for a monorail that was never built. So there was things <laughs> that Delorean. I mean. Oh. But now but I wonder if that monorail episode of The Simpsons is based off of him. <laughs> very well could be because it never happened. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, real quick, just for the audience, the the whole thing with that with that arrest trial was and how he got away, how he got off was the FBI came to him with with um, twenty seven kilos of cocaine, uh, which equivalents to I think about. 60, 65 pounds worth of Coke. He didn't seek it out. They went to him knowing that he was financially having problems and was looking at bankruptcy. So he was, yeah, he was able to say entrapment because he never seeked him out. They called him. They invited him to everything. And he was like, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) Yeah. 
yeah. I'm hard up, man. You know, law enforcement learned a lesson with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can't, <laughs> you can't, uh, you know, you when can't. you when you entrap somebody like that, it's also a weird tidbit. You remember that Catch a Predator, Chris Hansen stuff? Yes. A lot of those creeps got let go because they were contacting these people online. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's just like yeah. So you know you. you yeah, they're doing shit wrong, but you, they're going about the wrong way to catch them. Yes, and you know this is the thing. This is why you don't have now, you know, FBI and police a lot of time coming to you to you know to buy drugs. Like you know, people go, "Are you a cop?" They don't care about you buying a fucking dime bag off of them, or if, you know, they don't give a fuck. It's that they can't go around saying, "Hey." I got 60 fucking pounds of Coke. You want to offload it for me? <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, it's what they call uh, a boneheaded idea. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So back to the album. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, so, you know, those three albums, uh, you know, it, it's a strong album. And like we said, the down is Luxury Pool and Michael Douglas. Uh, I think it's just, I don't know if it's like padding out the album. If you add it up, it's about eight minutes between those two songs. So I, I don't know if it was padding or if it was just like, hey, we've done all this other stuff. Let's experiment with these styles. Yeah. Is kind it, of the way I got, I like, was my thought on it. They're not like, you know, they're not like, you know, momentary lapse of reason Floyd bad, but they're just, they just don't feel like they mesh well. No. And I think, because correct me if I'm wrong, but those are the two tracks that have Fat Lip on it. Fat Lip's on Luxury Pool. Uh, Michael think, Douglas is just. And was it because I thought it was also Fat Lip? No, he's uh, just on Luxury Pool. Okay, because yeah, I, I just wonder if it was those styles. So yeah, it uh, just it, it's just kind of like I don't know. It just felt like it's kind of dragging it out. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just it would have been better without him and just gone right from Belfast to Stainless Steel and be done. Yeah, I c- completely agree with you. Um, I think well, okay. So what are your favorite tracks? Dream Cars, I love. Mm-hmm. I love Raquel. Raquel, mm-hmm. I just <laughs> for people, it, it's basically the life story of Raquel Welch in a way. Yes, yes, it <laughs> Talking is. Talking about her Bolivian father, uh, her Irish mother, growing up in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if it was ever confirmed that she had a relationship with John DeLorean, but there's a lot of rumors to that effect. Hence, why there's a song dedicated to her on here. Yeah, uh, but it's you know it's. It's such a good song. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, Raquel, uh, Trick or Treat, I like. Uh, uh, Harmar Superstar, uh, Minnesota guy. He actually owns a bar, like, uh, a couple miles away from me in Moorhead. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I've never gone there because I just, I don't, you know, if I'm going to go bar hopping, I'm not going to go all the way into Moorhead. But, uh, yeah, he's there. You know, he does DJ sets there every now and then. So I'll probably check that out once uh, Voldemort's gone. Right. Uh, so to, a- to answer your question about John DeLorean and Raquel Welsh, um, he was hanging around her a lot. And shortly afterwards, he got one of his divorces. So nothing ever came out, like, officially, officially. But the tabloids and everything were like, ah, he was boning. <laughs> he was boning <laughs> Raquel Welch. So yeah. All the power to him, man. She was a she was a gorgeous woman. 
Well, I mean, this guy, though, he did not. (laughs) I I, I mean, this guy did not date ugly. I mean, he was married to Elise Knox. If you don't know who she is, she was an actress and a model. He was with uh, Christina Fieri, who is a actress and a model. Um, You know, he was with uh, Sally Baldwin. Uh, I mean, this guy just. Yeah. So like, yeah. So, you know, those songs, uh, I lost you. I really I, like. Yeah, I really like I Lust yeah. You. I think that's my one of my uh, that and um I told her on Alderaan, I think are my two favorite. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. It's just like such good catchy pop songs through the lens of John DeLorean and 80s homage. It's just it's a it's a weird album. <laughs> it is good, but it's really weird when we talk you try to explain it. Yeah, because you know we talk about all the different influences in it, but there's so much more. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we could talk about the '80s, we could talk about the prog, but there's definitely some hip hop sampling going on in here. The amalgamation, I think, is the best way to describe it. it is an amalgamation of genre that doesn't typically work, and this works. I mean. I agree with you. Like this should have been an album that was like on people's top 10 best albums. Um, how would this not, did not get picked up? I, w- I don't know if it was just, was too weird at the time for 2008, because again, I, from the church's influence and things like that, this would get played any time if this came out tomorrow. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good point. Like, I don't remember this being played on KBSC. Uh, I would play this at, when I worked at the fetus and like, you know, it's one of those out, al- there's like a few albums when I worked there. Like if I played it, I would at least, I would sell at least one copy, sometimes more like this album. And, uh, the first, uh, deer tick album would mm-hmm. be like, just cause nobody really knew what that was. Like, you know, they were just kind of like unknown to most people, even like buying indie music. Yeah. So, like, every time I play this, people are like, what the hell is this? This is good. <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about the fetus a little bit, if, if we can, sure. um, for, for our audience. Because, um, so, you worked the fetus. Um, yeah, and you went, you worked there. Years. Yeah, was that, was that after we graduated from high school? Yeah, this was 2008 to 2010. Uh, okay. It was, like, uh, I was going to college mm-hmm. when I was working there. So, it wasn't, like, a full-time job. Before that, I worked at CD Warehouse. Another, I remember you at CD Warehouse, yes. Another record store in St. Cloud. Uh, both are gone now. but Both are gone. Yeah, both so. are gone. So uh, when is your earliest recollection of going to the uh, electric fetus, as it was called? I, my dad would take me sometimes. You know, he wasn't a big fan of the paraphernalia stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, the first time was when I was, like, of age to like buy music or whatever. Like when I was more finding my own stuff was like me, our mutual friend, uh, Matt. Okay. Uh, he and I would go to the fetus to like buy, you know, when we're just, when we're at the, I think we're like 13, like you're at that age where you're just kind of like discovering music mm-hmm. outside your parents in a sense or w- whatever's on the radio. So that's it. Yeah. I remember just kind of going there and like, poking around and and then when i got older like i went there to like buy like weird uh pink floyd imports that's where i got <laughs> i found like 
the mono version of Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Oh, and, yes. Uh, it's like a European import, and you, you most people couldn't even get it until like 2010 when they re-released it. It was just like a weird... So like I'd find like weird random stuff, so yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss record stores like the Fetus, but I wholeheartedly miss the electric uh, the the record stores like the Fetus. So my there was a store down now I uh, going up my mom loved going downtown. Um, way back when there was the Ringer Road, um, <laughs> if you remember what that was. Um, and back when you quit, there wasn't a uh, a. A road right down, right through downtown St. Cloud. It was right. You had to go around it because it was all this cobblestone um, thing. Everything was downtown, and my mom hated going all the way out to the mall. So, like, my mom, you know, I get a lot of my sense of humor from my mother. To be totally honest with you, my weird, irreverent, odd, um, inappropriate humor. There was a store called Tootsie's downtown. Um, it was like a, a, a semi-adult, like a not quite a pure, uh, not pure pleasure. What's the other one? Um, but anyways, it was like this off-color store where you could get un- inappropriate gay, gay gifts, like, um, like Spencer's. A Spencer's, like a Spencer's before there was a Spencer's. Yeah. So my mom would go there, and she didn't want me in there. So I would go to the fetus. I'm a little kid. Like it's you know again we talked about you know kind of how things were around the Jacob Rowling time. So I, my mom would take me into the fetus. And honestly, I was a big fan, controversially, uh, now it shouldn't have been, of Bill Cosby. So I would go in and I would look at comedy albums um, like Bill Cosby and Weird Al and things like that because I was too young to kind of understand some of the music that was going on at the time. And then as I got older and my mom taking me there, I started getting into music and one thing i loved about the fetus was much like the library when we were when we were kids you could take what you wanted like a movie or a a song album and you could grab headphones and just listen check it out so i started as i i think it was about nine ten i started grabbing listening to albums and tapes and things like that so and i will never forget the smell of that place either um it had that patchouli hippie smell that just permeated the whole place and yeah that place was always really really cool to me um so i was always i was jealous when i found out that you were working there (laughs) (laughs) no working in record stores is fun uh it's just you know and like my it it really expect my my few years at the feed it's really expanded my music knowledge just because it's you meet so many different people who have so much different information about different genres and so it was a it was a good time before the internet and shopping online you would have if there was albums that you couldn't get your hands on you would have to go to the electric fetus and order it yeah Uh, and i remember the first album i ordered through the electric fetus was Flaming Lips Eureka, the four disc version. Oh yeah, we had to have four different stereos. Yeah, had four different stereos to listen to it. Yeah, because I couldn't get it online. I, you know, I I wasn't shopping online at the time, and I knew about this album from Rolling Stone, and I was like, I need to get my hands on this album. 
So I went to the fetus and uh, our mutual friend, Dan, uh, who doesn't really care for me, by the way, he blocked me on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> uh, I ordered it through Dan. I, my first special order from the fetus wasn't uh, a happy ending. Um, I ordered, oh. it was like, uh, it was like 90, 1998, 99. And I was like really into like Sid Barrett solo music. Mm-hmm. So I went to, and I special ordered Opal, which is uh, more, it was like an album that was released after he had stopped making music with like outtakes or, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the, the, like, yep. So I put in the special order and I didn't hear from them for like a year. And then I happened to be in the fetus one day and lo and behold, there's just on the rack, there's just a copy of Opal. I wonder if that was your copy. <laughs> well, it was because I ended up buying it. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, shit happens, you know, yep. especially back then. Like, if you have to remember, like, I don't remember. I don't, I don't even think that. I think you're, when I did that special order, it was on, pen, it was on pencil and paper because there, you know. Yep. There was no, the computer uh, databases for special orders and stuff just wasn't, the technology wasn't there at the that. The technology point. wasn't there. No, and they give yeah. you guys, Zurika came out in 1997. So same boat, like, I, it, this was a time where, like, yeah, I had to go in there and I had to, I remember f- f- signing on, like, a clipboard to get this album. Yep. Yep, writing my name, my phone number, my parents' phone number, and... um this this album i mean this was when i was um what a 1997 we would have been sophomores i think yeah 97 97 98 we were sophomores yeah no funny story to that i didn't get to listen to it for years (laughs) (laughs) well you didn't have four stereo sitting right i i didn't it wasn't until i got an apartment with some other guys that i broke this album out um because I I'd forgotten about it, I'd completely forgotten about it, and then um, Yoshimi came out, and I was like, ah, I got this album hanging out here for years. I've never been able to listen to, <laughs> and I got my buddies together, and we finally were able to get in the in our apartment four different ways to to sync it up. Yeah, that's wild. That was yeah. a wild. I remember that coming out and just being like, oh, who has four stereos to do? <laughs> Right. Stuff is to say, it wasn't a huge seller. <laughs> no, uh, no, it, it wasn't a huge seller, but it was, it was, it was wildly ambitious. Yeah. And what's really funny about that is, is that if I just waited like a year or two, I could have gotten the single version of it because they eventually just released a single version of it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, they you kind of have to. If you yeah, want people but, to listen to your music, it has to be a little more accessible than having four stereos running at once. Yeah, but, you know, kudos to the, uh, you know, the that's the thing with, you know, it's the ambition, mm-hmm. and I, reeling it back to stay in the style. I think it was an ambitious album that worked, and yes, it doesn't always happen. No, and oh. again, I'm floored that this is the first. I'm like, I'm kind of pissed, honestly, <laughs> that this is the first time I've heard this album. It's been out for twelve years, and like, not one. Like top 500, top 100 albums, anything has this come across any anything on my radar? <laughs> so, Paul, now we're to- now we're at kind of at the end. 
Would you recommend Stainless Style by Neon Neon? Fuck yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, me too. Listen to this now, people. This is, uh, it's, you know, you, it's such a, like, you just, it's like, why is this, why do people not know about this more? <laughs> oh, God. No, it's not 12 years old. Holy, f- yeah, is it, it was, came out in 2008. So, yeah, it's 12, 13 years old now, right? Years. Yeah, it's just been a 13 year. Yeah, I honestly thought you this might have crossed your radar when I no. suggested it. So, no, and this is like up my fucking alley, like straight up my ass into my brain, like needs to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. So people, uh, check this one out. It's it's uh, it's it's something else. It's and it it's insanely accessible, like musically, like it's catchy. It's catchy. And again, it's when you think about how old it is and when you listen to it now, a lot of people are doing what this album was doing. Like yeah. this is the like like I said, I don't want to say people ripping off and ripping off, but this feels like to me the godfather of a lot of bands. Yeah. A I, lot of acts. It well, it, uh, it also came out at a time where a lot of these uh bands that are like more on the radar now. It's like when they're kind of starting out, and they yeah. like kind of ran in similar circles as the people who who are worked on this album. Oh, oh my god, I was looking this up, dude. The drummer for the Strokes was on this. Yep, when he was starting out before he was with the Strokes. Holy shit! Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like it's it's a weird like indie. Uh, it's. Yeah, it's like a collective of people, and it just—it's wild, man. I, I love this. Album. I can't believe I hadn't listened to this in probably like five or six years. I mean, yeah, the uh, guitarist Josh uh, Klinghoffer for the Red House Chili Peppers was on this thing. Yeah, yes, he was. This is insane. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a go. It's a who's who uh, before they were. Anybody before they were anybody, yeah. It's weird to think that Harmar was probably the only like kind of known person, and like that's the only reason I think I knew of Harmar is just because he uh, Sean Tillman's like you know played St. Cloud so often that yeah, that's how I know Harmar was because they used to play St. Cloud all the time, yeah. I mean, but still, but yeah, so uh, I think we've uh talked stainless style paul uh what do we have what's our next album you're up you're up to bat i am up to bat so the next album is a very recent album and i mentioned the band earlier uh we are gonna do american head by the flaming lips um which was came out uh uh september 11th of 2020 so this is a brand fuck new album we're going to be talking about. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. I, I listened to it when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just haven't gotten back to it. So and Flaming Lips is like that with me. Like uh, They'll release an album, I'll listen to it, and then I'll slowly start going back to it, you know, over time. The only, uh, only two of theirs that like immediately hit me would be Soft Bulletin and Yoshimi. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yoshimi was a great one. Zurika was a great one uh, to me because um, again, I had that one. Um, uh, uh, Mystics uh, was. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. Um, but I yes. do have like, uh, in case you haven't heard it, they did release. Uh, where is it? Uh, they did uh, the soft bulletin its entirety at Red Rocks with the Colorado Symphony with them. And it's a really good live album. It came out like a year or two ago. So, Ooh. yeah, they put out like what thirteen studio albums. I think they're at now, and like a yeah. shit ton of live albums. Like, yeah, and then they do the covers album. They did that cover of Dark Side of the Moon and Sergeant Yes, Pepper. yes, I yes, I have both. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I Flame Flame Mix is another one of those bands that like has always been on the fringe, and I've never understood why they've never been accepted mainstream. Yeah, I mean, they just, well, it's weird because I think after uh, Do You Realize, they kind of got a little more accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. They, they toured with Beck. On, yep. I believe the Sea Change Tour. Which uh, is like, one of my favorite. They were his backup go. band, I think, on that, too. Uh, we're, oh, I didn't know that. That's that's absolutely They did, awesome. like, at least a radio show with him where they do, they're his backup band, and they do, like, uh, you know, some of the songs from Sea Change with more with a fuller band sound, which was really good. I had that on bootleg. We're getting off the tracks here. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be digging into next week, uh, you know, the, the the Flaming Lips American Head, and probably be digging into um, the Flaming Lips a little bit as well. So, yeah. and if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, when that album came out. Uh, Wayne Coyne did an episode of WTF with Mark Marin, and uh, it's really interesting. So uh, I would highly suggest people listen to that. He kind of talks a little bit about some of the songs from American Head and how okay. it's influenced from things in his life. So, yeah, uh, it's a really good listen. Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely check that out. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. So, Joe, what's going on at the Joe Down? Uh, this week we're releasing our review of Birdman. I just haven't popped it up, uh, on, on the site yet. Uh, it's the Michael Keaton vehicle. Yep. Uh, I liked it. I had no idea what it was about. I just remember when it came out. So, and after that, uh, we're going back to the Travolta. Well, Paul, we're doing look who's talking next week. Oh God. Okay. Real quick. Did you know that there are working on a reboot and, of look who's talking and that John Travolta and Christy Alley are lobbying to be in it. You know, uh, that's a thing that happened, I guess. <laughs> so we, we, I, Scientology must be hurting for money. <laughs> we, we talked about this. I, I can't remember which episode it was on the weird news for casting news. Um, I sprung this on um, Jode, who um, was uh, really upset hearing about this news. I'm just upset they're just rebooting everything. And uh, I mean, it's not like, I mean, who is, who's, who, who's fucking nostalgic for Luke who's talking? Like, well, what's I, the audience? <laughs> I, I'm bringing this up a little bit because I just have to because I remember this story. So. <laughs> Fucking Christy Alley said, uh, you know, John and I, we really want to do it. We think it'd be funny that we're the grandparents 
Um, our kids will be ugly so that we'll still be the stars. But the grandkids can be really cute. Like, like she is wanting like to it to be about her and John. I mean, Christy Elliott doesn't have anything going on other than fucking stumping for Trump right now, anyways. But that's like legitimately her idea that she when she heard about the reboot, she went on uh was it uh one of those daytime talk shows and um said this. Um on the talk. She went so on the she talk. She wants the kids to be uh, uh, like does she look in a mirror? <laughs> she looks like she got hit in the face with a fucking baseball bat. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. I understand we don't like her. I will say that she definitely has that alcoholic face. Like she has that bloated, like my dad had that face towards the end of his life. Christy Alley has that alcoholic's face. Like this is someone who has been was cirrhosis of the nth degree. But yeah, but this is what she said. Yep, I literally quoting her, John and I, we both really want to do it. We think it's funny um, that we're the grandparents. That our kids will be ugly, so that we'll still be the stars, but the grandkids can be really cute. So she wants to be about, like, the kids get dropped off with her and John, and, you know, that's the story. Now, what may be pissing Krista, uh, uh, her off is that they're going with the diversive cast instead. Whatever she she talks out of her ass all the time, so I guess I don't. Just don't reboot it, and if you do, like, don't put her in it. Like, no, no, you know, honestly, like recently, the director said, "Hey, one of the challenges we had was that um, Travolta and Chrissy Alley had great chemistry, and that the script was really great." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just telling you. I mean, this you know, this is what the new what the new team saying. So, you know, we're in, we were in the early stages of figuring out what the story is for the modern version of the movie. But I don't think that um, it's, it's going to do. Yeah. Joe, Joe, I know we're way off topic. Did you know there was an ABC spinoff series called Baby Talk? <sighs> That's enough. <laughs> I've had enough of this conversation. All right, What's enough. going on with you, Paul? Uh, <laughs> so, as we talked about last episode, um, some changes are coming down um, with the um, with cast that movie. So, I am got the two new co-hosts on board. Um, so, I'm pleased for that. Um, they have agreed to do. We're actually going to change it up. We are going to do Waterworld, but we decided that. For the dream projects, that was really Scott's baby and idea, and I don't, you know, I don't want to take that away, um, and, you know, and do that. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to look at books, cartoons, um, TV shows, and cast them as movies instead. So the first one's going to be. If we did a live action version of Hey Arnold, who would be cast? Oh, nice. Although yes. I, I'm missing, you know, a lot of potential for a dream pot project of the film version of the album Stainless Style. <laughs> <laughs> and that that could be it too. Like we could do a concept album, whatever we want to do. But I want to get away from like the pop culture, like the 
like the really important historical things because that's really what Joe's side of the of of cast that movie came from. All right. So, so Mm-hmm. So we'll be doing a recast and tearing apart of Waterworld. Um, just to give you a fair warning, we'll be diving a little bit more into, I think, um, Joe Down territory. Not going through line by line of what went wrong by it, but just pointing out, like, again, we really avoided the plot of the movies, saying how people, we assume that people just saw these fucking movies and realizing that they're terrible pieces of shit. People didn't. Um, so we'll be talking a little bit about the plot and then just digging into little things that piss us off about the movie, not getting full into your territory and taking it, you know, scene by scene or important piece by important piece, but rather something on the lines of why the fuck does nobody have a name in, <laughs> in uh, Waterworld? <laughs> why is he just, why is he just the Mariner? And like, why, what is going like, yeah, we'll talk about the laziness of it a little bit, that type of thing. Cool. Cool. And then you're going to be joining us soonish um i'm working out where griffiny um is can get back doing the podcasts um but uh, uh on a on uh, the stranger things podcast for episode four correct yep i'll be popping in uh the middle of the seasons and then the last of the seasons yep which i think is gonna be awesome because then we can kind of get your take on what you think's gone on up to this point and then bring you back in and go, what did you think of the season as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. And, um, I brought back the weird news, which is currently on Facebook. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, this is something I'll do every Saturday night. Um, at, from eight o'clock to nine o'clock. I used to do it daily. You know all about it, but it'll be Saturday nights where I'll be doing the weird news. It's on Facebook right now. I'm, trying to figure another place to put it but right now i have like 2000 followers on uh i have 2000 friends and like i don't know like 3000 4000 followers on facebook right now so that's where most of my audience is um but i want to move it somewhere else i'm just not sure where yet okay so that's what we got going on yep uh oh uh we are also uh in the preliminary stages uh of a spinoff of Bears Beats Bobbleheads. Yes, yes uh, we are. We're going to be starting that soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be bringing Paul to Pawnee, Indiana. Uh, we will be doing a Parks and Rec. <laughs> Which I have never seen. Which he has uh, never seen. Uh, and it's going to be a lot like Bears Beats. Uh, I am a huge uh, Parks and Rec fan. I am more of a fan of Parks and Rec than I am The Office. Uh, Parks and Rec is the spiritual cousin to the office and that it was created by the people who created the American office. So yeah, uh, to be determined, but yeah, that's what we have coming up in the pike for that. Mm, I'm, um, I'm looking forward, uh, uh, to this. I am really looking forward to this. Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I be honest again, I'll, I'll talk, I'll bring it up when we do the episode again, but I don't watch sitcoms. So all these sitcoms I've I've avoided for years Um, just because I don't prefer the situational comedy um, format. Um, So yeah, I, I am, I am excited to get into this because I had a lot of fun with the, uh, with the bears beats and bobbleheads actually more fun than I thought I was going to have. 
And that will be coming back at some point. So it will that's, be coming that's back. That's not dead in the water, people. That is just... not dead in the water. That is not dead in the water. This is just us uh, getting our uh, uh, weird-ass comedy uh, fix in until Bears and Beats comes back, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. I am. I am super excited to do this, though, because um, yeah, I want to keep doing that. So yeah, I mean, basically, you know, we have we have a a full plate of podcasts going on. I mean, and I I know I got to get everything up on the site. Um, I guess I'll let the audience also know we are going to be condensing everything down to one um, podcast uh, source rather than having a separate one for. Um, this one and this one and this one, we're going to be consolidating them all into one. Um, So I'll migrate everything over at some point. And when I make that migration, all these podcasts that have been kind of sitting on the shelf are going to come out um, as like a flood. You guys are going to have like a flood of, of, um, (laughs) uh, of good shit. So, all right. All right. Well, other than that, dude, what do you got? Take us out. Duh. Paul, I got you dreaming like a Michigan boy in Hollywood. I got you doing all you can. (laughs) Perfect. All right. 